welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, or even ignored. Prostate cancer is now the most commonly diagnosed cancer in the UK, and with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Dr. Michael Sadner, author of the best-selling book, Lifestyle Medicine, and a pioneer in the development of preventative healthcare. Dr. Sagner has developed a large following around his four P's approach to personal health, which is based on care that is predictive, personalized, preventative, and participatory. He's joined me today to explore how these principles might integrate with the management of prostate cancer and how they can benefit with men with the prostate cancer diagnosis pre and post treatment. Michael, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Claire. Thanks for having me. So um, what you do is really fascinating and you um, have indeed developed quite quite a following and I understand lifestyle medicine is now in its fourth edition. So you're clearly having an impact on um, both the medical world and on um, a whole range of, of patients. Yeah, I'm quite happy about this, obviously. When we started looking into this, this, this connection between lifestyle factors um, and, and health, especially the maintenance of health, people thought that we are not practicing medicine because medicine historically was always about fixing diseases, looking at symptoms and, and treating them with pharmacology. Yet since the very beginning of what we would call Western medicine and obviously also Asian medicine, the influence, the impact of lifestyle factors such as nutrition, diet, um, stress, sleep and physical activity and some others on your health, disease progression, and aging are well known. We just, for some reason, forgot about them and, and medicine just stopped talking about them. I mean, you mentioned aging, and, and that's actually really where I wanted to, to kick off here, because of course, prostate cancer is a disease of aging. And yet we know that people age differently. And increasingly there are ways to control the rate and extent of aging. I know you've been involved in this, you know, fundamental to your engagement with patients is understanding something called chronological age versus biological age. So I wonder if you can describe what that means and how it impacts caring for patients. Yes. So the difference between chronological age and biological age is, is, is basically the difference between what's written in your passport and what your cells look like. Mm -hmm. So for, for a very long time, we just assumed that after you peak in your mid-20s, early 30s, you just decline. And that decline, that rate of decline would be, we just assume that it's the same for every person and men, women, totally independent of your job, stress levels and so on. And obviously that, that does make sense. And we now understand that the, the number in your passport and the, the actual age of your cells can be very different. And mm -hmm. in the last couple of years, we saw a few tools. One of them is epigenetic uh, tests that allow us to determine this biological age. And that is the real age that you, you want to look at. It's a lot more important than the number, as I said, that, you know, um, mm -hmm. the day you're born. So this epigenetic age, is this something that's, that's measurable? And is it based on, on what? On, on biomarkers, on cellular age? Yes, obviously, it's, it's, um, it's quite difficult to determine biological age. Um, you would have to take cells and you would have to do very complicated assays. Since the, the early 2000s, um, Elizabeth Blackburn won the Nobel Prize in, uh, for, in medicine and physiology for 
um, her discovery of what's called telomeres. It's the, the sort of the, the ends, the, the caps of your DNA. Mm -hmm. And a very convenient way to measure biological age, and that's usually how laboratories do it nowadays, is um, instead of, you know, taking apart the whole cell, you just look at these caps, uh, these protective caps of your DNA, of your genetic information, and if they are worn off very short, then we would say that you have a rather, you know, you have a reduced biological age, um, meaning you are older. And if these, these caps are longer, thereby protecting your DNA better, then you would be younger. Okay. That's how we measure it. It seems to have quite an impact. I mean, one of the questions that I'm really keen to ask you, because it comes from patients consistently, if not increasingly, is, for example, we have a lot of men who are 70, 70 plus and are fit and active, have very positive cognitive, mental, emotional outlook, et cetera, et cetera. And when they're diagnosed with prostate cancer, they feel that they're actually in the almost the best stage of their life. You've got men who are 70 who say they feel like they're 50 in terms of their physical and mental health. But then they say they're treated in what they perceive as an age discriminatory way. So I wonder if you can tell me how you think this might be best addressed in a world where we know that there's a difference between chronological age and biological age. Yeah, as with so many new things in medicine, innovations, medicine, so the traditional healthcare systems, which are more or less, yeah, to be a bit um, cheeky, they're disease management systems more than true healthcare systems. The, these healthcare systems globally, doesn't matter um, whether it's the NHS or, or any other system, they have been very slow when it comes to innovation. And that is both technological, scientific innovation, but also culture. And this is obviously a problem of culture. We, we now know that a 70-year-old in 2021 is not like a 70-year-old in the, in the 40s or 50s. Mm -hmm. People are generally more healthy, they're more fit, they're more active. And it is very important that this cultural change, which is both, as you just said, this ageism, um, issue, but also that we look at prevention and the biological age of, of that patient and then choose the treatment accordingly. Mm -hmm. I think that these are cultural changes that are going to take place at some point. We know that it's slow, um, which is another reason that more and more patients are looking at getting treatments and interventions um, at private facilities where maybe these cultural changes are already taking place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what can men who have or have had a prostate cancer diagnosis do to optimize their health and well-being? The interventions that we would recommend and that the interventions that are evidence-based are very similar to the interventions that we would, would recommend to prevent the cancer from occurring in the first place. Um, most of them are related to lifestyle, obviously nutrition, as I said, diet, stress management, sleep, and so on. That is the foundation, both of treatment and prevention. And then there are a few things, many of them experimental, that might help to support the treatment or might be a standalone treatment. There are some studies showing that very, very strict lifestyle interventions could be used in early-stage prostate cancer. This has to be discussed with the treating physician. Mm -hmm. In any case, it, no matter what treatment that the patient and the clinician decides to, to go for, the lifestyle intervention, the lifestyle support should be there, no mm -hmm. matter whether it's surgery, uh, radiation or something else. It's mm -hmm. very important that this basic foundation of a healthy lifestyle is in place both to prevent cancer, not just prostate cancer, 
but many other cancers. And then to, to continue with this, let's just call it healthy lifestyle, while you're undergoing treatment and mm. obviously after the treatment mm. to prevent recurrence. So that leads me to my next question, was, which was actually honing in on, on your 4P approach and how you think that specifically might, might integrate with the prostate cancer diagnostic and treatment pathway that would improve patient care. I mean, I know you're suggesting that patients become a lot more attuned to their health without doubt once they have a disease diagnosed such as prostate cancer. But do you think that the 4P approach could actually become something that is actually integrated into clinical pathways or certainly care pathways? Yes, absolutely. The, the four Ps, um, are, again, more of a cultural change. Mm. Um, and these changes are absolutely necessary because if we continue treating our patients the way we've been treating them, then we are going to deny them a lot of the innovation that is available, but just not being deployed. So the four Ps, just to, to um, repeat, um, is, is preventive, meaning that we have to be a lot more proactive. We can't continue with this mindset that we just wait for symptoms and diseases to happen and very often we see them coming like prostate cancer very often colon cancer heart attack stroke these are things that you can very often you can predict to a certain extent uh, meaning if you have as a, 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 a guy you know older than 40 you should think about your prostate you mm -hmm. should think about prevention and yeah, not just agreed. wait until that um, unfortunate day that your doctor says, okay, that's it now. Mm -hmm. um, so be a lot more um, proactive. Prevention is obviously the centerpiece of this, of this approach. Then we have to be a lot more personalized in our approaches. Um, this one size fits all approach is very obviously uh, old fashioned. And mm -hmm. when you think about how we prescribe medicines, very often we use you know, 500 milligrams of this or 500 milligrams of that. And um, we don't think about the age of the patient, whether it's a, mm -hmm. a, a female patient, a male patient, whether the patient is pregnant, maybe, maybe the patient's obese, so might need a lot more. This personalization aspect, I think, shows us how much we lack true innovation and sophistication in medicine very often, even though medicine and, and um, healthcare is perceived in the public as this, you know, almost science fiction-like uh, enterprise where everything is, is brand new and we're doing, you know, the, using the latest science. Mm -hmm. It's not true. Anybody who has worked in, in medicine knows that that is not true. And the bigger the hospital, very often, the, the worse it is. Um, so that's two Ps. That's prevention, um, personalization, then prediction. Um, so a more predictive approach that we actually um, look at the patient and say, okay, there is... Very likely there are a few red flags that we should look at um, just based on your age, maybe genetic history, family history. So trying to predict certain issues and, and, and then being proactive about them. Mm -hmm. And the fourth P is the patients have to be less passive. Um, healthcare professionals, doctors have to be a lot more inviting. So the fourth P would be participatory. We have mm -hmm. to really let the patients participate in their healthcare and not just disease management, but true healthcare, mm -hmm. making decisions based on also the patient's preferences, presenting different options, uh, discussing all the options. And very often doctors, obviously, they're good at a certain, using a certain technique or they've mm -hmm. been doing it like that forever. And very often we still, unfortunately, we still see clinicians talking down to the patients and I think it's time to change that. And we really, especially when it comes to prevention, because prevention obviously 
happens to a large extent outside of the clinic without mm-hmm. the doctor being present. It's what you do at home, the food mm. you eat, stress management. So we, ha- we need the patient to participate. Well, there needs to be um, a, a better interaction um, between the, the healthcare professional and the patient. Absolutely. Um, and patients so are this- crying out for that, don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. The, the 4P approach was initially proposed by Lee Hood, a colleague and friend of mine, and it's really a, a, a cultural change in, in how we practice, practice mm-hmm. healthcare. Michael, this has really been fascinating, um, and I hope we get a chance to, to speak again because it's clearly a field that is evolving, and I think particularly at this time when we're coming out of a pandemic and most of us are much more attuned to our health and the systems around us, this is only going to gain steam. So, Thank you so much for speaking with me today. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Claire. Thanks for having me. Further information on Dr. Michael Sagner and a link to his book is available on our website, along with a transcript of this interview and additional interviews and stories about living with prostate cancer. Please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time.